Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. Again, that is Pinkleton Pull Aside. I find numerous people think I'm saying Pinkleton Poolside, and nobody wants to see me sitting by a swimming pool doing a podcast. So uh, we like to talk all things life, leadership, lessons therein, and we like to do that in the world of sports, music, comedy, books, pastors, people with great testimonies. And uh, today we have a guy that early on in my preteen teenage years was a bit of a hero to me because I, I, I grew up, I love basketball, I love sports. And Jason G, who is from Springfield, and he played basketball at South High School. And his basketball teams back in the day, I loved watching. I'll never forget a game. I think it was his senior year. You guys came to Shawnee. You guys were top. You might have been number one in the state. You were ranked pretty high. And we hung on with you guys for a while. Then you guys kind of took it, took it to a little bit of a blowout there at the end of the game. But those Carlton Claiborne, I'm trying to think, was it Darren Jackson, you, some other guys, man, you guys could ball it up and – I don't think there's been too many teams in the history of Springfield, Ohio, high school basketball that ranked up there with those South teams. Welcome, Jason G. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate being here and look forward to this. Talk to me about those South teams that you had the pleasure of playing with. And Wayne Wiseman was your coach, and you guys were legends in our neck of the woods, whether we grew up watching you or play, people who played against you. And those those had to be – as special as I think they were watching them, those teams? Without a doubt. First of all, I want to give honor to God, who's my Lord and Savior, and just thankful for this opportunity to share. It's hard to recreate, and you were a part of it, you saw it, the culture at that time, sort of a blue-collar town, hardworking. Not many of us, you know, in the inner city went to, went to college and South High School and still is, was the pride of the community, particularly South High School basketball. And so you got to think about this. Every Friday night, everybody in town went to the games. And so to play at South was a monumental thing and something I remember looking forward to as a, as a junior high school student. So, Jason, growing up in a culture like that, you know, you're looking forward to uh, picturing what that's like from your junior high days to actually plan. What are some of the best memories you have then Maybe if there's a couple of them from your days at South and playing with Wayne and and uh, just having you know, the success you guys had, what are a couple maybe out of the box, not so obvious things that you look back and just think, man, that was a tremendous part of my life and, and Tom playing basketball? Well, one key point, uh, Jeff, I, I was always a leader. My mom and dad raised me that way. and My mom had a van, and, and I would pal the players, the teammates of, mm-hmm. up, and, and we would drive around the city, go to Wittenberg, and play at different open gyms, including the ones at South. And, and I'll just never forget the, the camaraderie and the culture we developed outside of Wayne Wiseman, outside of our coaches there, 
that had nothing to do with their direction, but all ours. Uh, we mm. felt like we had a special group after my junior year. And we spent all kinds of t- time together. You know, Darren, Darren Johnson, as you mentioned, Carlton Claiborne, Dillard Leslie, Mark Banks, Jesse Bray, um, just some really, really good and talented players that were a part of something really special. But I, I'd like to think that it happened that spring after our junior year and then that summer where we just spent a lot of time together, did a lot of training together. And just had a lot of fun, fun driving around Springfield and surrounding areas and open gyms. And I remember one time I had to go to work. Coach Scobie had found me a job at a Howard's grocery store in the East End. And uh, my mom one time said, you know, hey, just just bring the guys back and then we'll drop you off at work. And then I'll just take them home individually. And, and so they the guys told me the next day, my mom was hilarious. Uh, she literally if this will tell you about the personality of my mother, she literally passed gas and then rolled the windows up and all the players were saying, <laughs> you know, what is that smell? What is that smell? And she goes, that was me and you guys better deal with it. And they just thought that was the funniest thing. Uh, but for her to have the comfortability, number one, to do that and then to claim it yeah, and then to make a joke out of it, I think you think we'll tell you a lot about the closest of that group and how we looked at each other as family and just sort of the qualities that she passed down to me. So yeah. th- that's a story I, I don't know if we'll ever forget. But the success we had, I think it is etched in everyone in our community's mind. So when I go back today, people remember that team, not oh. just because we were ranked number one in the state and undefeated, but because of the general connection we had with our community and the and the popularity that we Mass and the success that we had was certainly special. No doubt. Well, and it's funny, as you mentioned, some of those players, Mark Banks, Dillard Leslie, those guys sound familiar. I'll tell you the one that really stands out to me when you said it was Jesse Bray because, you know, he's probably, what, 16, 17, 18 years old at the time. And I'm looking at that guy up in the stands watching that guy, and I'm like, that is a man. That is not a boy. That, that guy is not <laughs> anywhere close to what yeah. I am. And he, of course, went to, I think, Central State and played football. Is that right? Yes, yes. He was a football player, but due to some academic issues, ended up going to Central State and had a great career and got into a couple of pro camps and phenomenal athlete. Unbelievable baseball player, basketball player, football player. He's probably football is probably his best sport, but yeah, outstanding athlete. Yeah. See, I would say anybody that's ever had a great basketball team in Clark County for decades, I don't know who's beating that team you had. You guys were Unbelievable to say the least. So, hey, you mentioned right out of the gate about you know Jesus being your Lord and Savior. Let's let's jump in there. Tell us about your you know two three minute story about how you came to Christ, Jason. Sure. My dad was the oldest of five children. Was asked to leave during dinner time. Prayed to God that he marry a wife that cooked. My mom was <laughs> raised by a single mom who cleaned homes and cooked for a living and sewed. And so we had plentiful food. And as a sophomore in high school, I weighed two hundred and fifty pounds. And this high school coach, Jim Scobie, said he was going to make something out of me and uh, told me he'd beat me in the gym six o'clock in the morning, every morning. And if I wanted to come and, and change my life, he would be willing to do that. He saw that I had an older brother that was one of the biggest drug dealers in Springfield, Dayton area. And I had potential to go down that path. And he decided he was going to capture me. And the first morning we went to a gym, Monday morning at six o'clock, we were in Tiffany gym. I walk in and, you know, at that time you wore those short shorts and I looked like I was nine months pregnant because all my weight was in my stomach at that time. And he said, I'm going to change your life. And I said, in a day, 
and he told me about Jesus Christ. Mm. And at 15 years old, I allowed Jesus to come into my heart. And I, I was a drug baby up until then. I was drugged to church every Sunday, but didn't understand the relationships. Jim Scobie taught me that. He led that in me and led me to the Lord. And we worked out every day. I went from 250 to 230 and ended up starting on the, on the varsity team my junior year and then went from 230 to 215 the following year. And, you know, big reason why we're talking this morning is because of what happened my senior year. And then after I graduated, I carried that to college and became a Hall of Fame high school and college player, but met my queen, who we currently do marriage ministry now for, we, we're doing a marriage retreat for FCA this summer mm. uh, in Columbus. And um, I'll never forget, I went to thank him and his wife for realizing now, you know, here I am with this queen, double income, no kid, three bedroom house, bought a house for $81,000. The house I grew up in was 35000 with seven kids in it. Mm. And now I got 81000 And I realized God had so blessed me with Jim Scobie and introducing me to a relationship with Jesus Christ, I had to repay him. And I took him to dinner and I'm crying. I got slobber coming out of my ears and nose and I'm just a basket case because the gratitude was so overwhelming. I had thanked him previously. It was like thanking him somebody for a hundred dollars only to realize that they had given me a million dollars. So we're in this restaurant and I said, I give you and your wife an expense paid trip anywhere in the world. And his wife goes, Oh, I've always wanted to go to Italy, Jason. Thanks. And he goes, what are you talking about? I said, coach, I finally realized what you did for me by telling me about Jesus Christ and training me in basketball. So I want to repay you. He said, you really want to pray me? I said, yes, sir. He said, whatever you think I did for you, you do for the countless kids that you're going to be a big time coach. You're going to touch a lot of kids. And so I coach to honor the one that led me to the Lord. And he has been a source of inspiration. And I still have a sense of indebtedness. I tell this story to recruits all the time. Like, I'm still trying to make half the impact that Jim Scobie made in my life to those that I come in contact with. And that's that's a unique salvation story. And I'm grateful and thankful for it. So they did not take you up on the trip to Italy? They did not. They did not. He said, he said, uh, I want you, you know, I was making $18,000 as a a division one assistant at Youngstown State. My my wife was making $45,000 as an engineer at General Motors. And we were double income, no kids. And, uh, and he said, nope, nope. He said, if you really want to thank me, you do whatever wow. you think I did for you to others. You know what's funny? He's told me that part of the story about what he said to you, but he hasn't told me that. And, I, you know, of course, everybody loved Jimlin and, you know, sorry to see her die sooner than what people would have hoped for and thought and all that kind of stuff when she passed away several years ago. But, man, I bet she was the one to kick him hard, say, come on now, Jason's, <laughs> Jason's willing to get us to Italy. What are you talking about? You know, it's, it's cool. I don't know if we talked about this before when we talked – that time, either at the bank or at Panera or whatever it was, we talked a couple times. But, you know, Scobie's got a big part in my story, too, because we were at Young Life Camp, and uh, he grabbed me the mm. second to last night, I think it was, at Lake Champion up in Glen Spain, New York. And he asked me kind of how I wanted to be remembered. And I gave several answers. Mm. I wanted to be a guy that, you know, people looked at and said, we'd like our kid to grow up to be like him and carried my family name well. And people respected me based on who I was, based on my parents and whatever. And he goes, you know, Jeff, that's all great. He goes, but if Jesus is not the Lord and center of that, it's really kind of all for nothing. Mm. There's a great scene in On Golden Pond where Dabney Coleman's character is getting drifting out on this little deck in this pond and he's getting pulled out and he really decides quickly he's either got to go in or he's got to, 
He's only got one decision. He can't stay split like that. So he just jumps in the water. And I said, that's kind of what I did in that moment with Jesus a little bit of time later out by a soccer field. I'm sitting on a rock and I thought about Scobie's words to me. And I'm like, you know, I either got to jump all in or I can't keep playing this one foot in one foot out game because it's getting me nowhere. So I always give credit in my testimony to Scobie and that conversation up at Lake Champion because I don't think I am where I am today with him and a whole lot of other people's input, but a one-shot deal, it was that conversation with Scobie. Wow. Wow. Not surprising. I, I appreciate and I'm thankful for his boldness and um, just appreciate he's a major part of who I am. And I think God brings people in your life all the time that are going to lead you to another level and most importantly, lead you to him. And he certainly changed the trajectory of my family and the legacy I'm going to be able to leave for my kids. And without him, boy, it's scary what would have happened. Yeah. So, Jason, you answered a couple of questions here just by what you shared there. Let me ask you this. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about was how the game has changed so drastically much the last several years. I mean, I think it was probably going that direction. COVID only created it more. You know, we talked before we got on here about how players can jump around a lot. You alluded to the place that we are now currently in college athletics, especially at the big-time level, kind of puts a bad light, unfortunately, probably on players more than anybody else. But as coaches, it's a new day. you got to do things different as players, NIL, transfer portal. Are you a significantly different coach in person in the game of basketball now than you were, say, five years ago? And how? Yeah, I think you have to adapt. Jeff, I think in all professions, including yours, uh, you have to be able to adapt to the times and the justification of there's so much pie. Why Mm. not share that with the players that are creating the opportunities Mm -hmm. for that pie to occur? And so I can really relate to that. And I understand the college I went to. I know I helped them generate a lot of income that I didn't necessarily see the, the, the fruits of, but at the same time, unfortunately, the, these new times have, have almost devalued the free education that we're giving these young men. Mm. So you have a system now that's motivated by this financial gain for this independent student athlete on top of his free education and the stipends we give him and the quality medical care, medical care we give him and and it, it is it has made it quite challenging. And it sounds as if now you're in a bidding war instead of really, you know, trying to connect relational with the student athlete. So it's quite complicated. And we I've chosen not to complain about it. You know, I, I tell recruits now I'm old school, but I'm not an old fool. I know I need <laughs> to get with the time. Yeah. So to try to connect the dots here for me on this, my my youngest son's a sophomore. He just finished his his you know varsity year of basketball. He's at our local Christian school in Springfield, Emanuel Christian Academy, and we're getting ready to dip into AAU. He's already working out with his team, and he's got two of his teammates playing AAU basketball. And you know, I've talked to you know I'm good friends with a guy who's a Division One head coach, and we've talked a bit about that and just where it's kind of this jaded, you know, somewhat unclean not ideal world with stuff like that. How do you deal with, you know, as a follower of Jesus, and you're clearly, Jason, committed in your faith, how do you deal with some aspects of basketball at the level you're talking about, recruiting, working with coaches, working with players, working with the AAU people and all that? How do you deal with that not-so-ideal 
somewhat unclean side of things and lean into that, get a chance to share your faith. I mean, because, you know, you, you could get tainted and dirtied up in that. How do you handle that? I, I think we all have challenges that we face in every aspect because we're in the world, but not of the world. Amen. And Lord, the Lord really inspired me four years ago, well, during COVID, to start a assisting coaches, African-American professional development series for, for assistant coaches who desire to become head coaches wow. who wanted to know how to do it in a Christian way, how wow. to run a Christian division one basketball program. And I had 45 assistant coaches throughout the levels of college basketball and a couple of high school coaches. And one of which is Justin Gray, who I serve and mentor now at Western Carolina. And, and just realizing that there's three F's that we always are challenged on our feelings, you know, uh, what we feel like doing, the easy way out, the facts. The facts say that this kid wants money. Those are facts. And then the third F is the faith. And how do we operate in faith? Because if we give into our feelings and even give into the facts, we're, we're saying we don't trust God. And so the it starts with that individual empowerment, with connecting that relationship with God. So the more you know him, the more he's in the Holy Spirit's inside of you, the better you are to navigate when those potholes come or those opportunities to take a shortcut come. And so that's really how I do it. And everywhere I've been, I introduced myself as I'm not a college basketball coach. I'm a Christian basketball coach. The players aren't my players. They're my sheep and I'm called mm -hmm. to shepherd them. This is not a job. This is my calling. So I am thankful that God has given me that disposition and that, and that I, I get, confided in to give that type of mentorship and advice on how to navigate uh, the, the difficult waters of college basketball, particularly at this level, the division one level. So I, I tell you guys, when I have you on a podcast, I'm going to be very sensitive to Holy spirit and not stick to a script too much. I want to hear a lot more about what you're dealing with. So you got 45 guys involved in this right now. What unpack that? What does that look like? Is it a year long process and how do guys find out about it? I'm sure at this point it's word of mouth, but that is a significant ministry point that you got going there, Jason. Well, you know, it started with this fourth quarter of my life uh, in this profession, 35th year, I'm rounding third and headed home. And, and God has really made a huge impression on me to equip others. A really good friend of mine, a pastor, out of DC uh, was telling me how he had a replacement plan. In other words, he would identify his successor. He would identify different people in the church who were serving up under current leadership and he would counsel and develop them so that when those people left, the ministry maintained at a high level. And so that, that really pricked my heart about seven years ago that I needed to start replacing me. Like in this profession, you know, someone who's me and my wife do marriage ministry. My wife does a women's uh, Bible study for college basketball coaches from across the country. We do marriage ministry with an organization called Nations of Coaches for college coaches. Like, how do I replace me? How do I make sure the ministry stays at a high level? And after meeting all these Christian coaches and all these coaches that people have no idea are Christian, but they've never been trained on how to be a Christian coach. Mm. You know, you think of coach Bobby Knight, I yell, I scream, I cuss, I kick, I fight. I mean, that's, that's the training ground of a coach and mm. what they've seen and how they've been coached. And so just introducing that methodology and knowing that God needs to permeate 
every aspect of my life and why not help it permeate the aspects of my profession? And so that was sort of the motivation. And it was COVID and what much to do. So Zoom became live and 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 I had a core group of guys that you know that were a part of it. And as you mentioned, word of mouth. And now what I do more of is just one-on-one because my time commitment has changed with now being a, a associate head coach and and you know the role that I have now versus what I had at Cincinnati uh, during that time. So it's been something I think I believe that's been fruitful. Uh, we, one of the assistants, uh, Drew Williamson, is the assistant at Florida Atlantic University. He he was a part mm. of that group. He's a part of that group. So it's kind of encouraging when you see when God raises someone to that platform. But the biggest thing I encourage him though, it's not about your platform, what the world thinks. It's the platform with the young men you interact with every day. Have you crossed paths over basketball circles? I'm sure you have with uh, David Raglan, Rags over at Evansville. Yes, I started a um, scripture verse ministry 10 years ago. So five days a week, he's part of that. I uh, know him well. So he's been on this podcast. Crazy story how we met. He's actually made it some really cool connections in Evansville for a guy who used to be involved in Springfield for the gathering who's now over in Newburgh, Indiana, real close to where Rags is. But he's he's a tremendous – as you're talking, Jason, I'm just – my mind is going crazy thinking about guys – I know need to meet you. Another guy was on his podcast that we've bonded pretty well beyond the podcast is uh, former Louisville Cardinal great and L.A. Laker and Miami Heat, Billy Thompson. I don't know if you and Billy have ever crossed paths. He's a pastor now down in Florida, but uh, he, I would love to hook you guys up. He's he's great. And you're great. And men of God. Anytime you unite the kingdom, the scripture said we're two or more gather. He's in our midst. But I really believe in uniting the kingdom because Amen. it just increases our impact. Amen. There's no doubt. So let's talk about some of your stops along the way. You played your college ball at Charleston. You were the head coach there for seven years. Is that right? Seven years, yeah. UC, you've been up Northeast Ohio, Youngstown area, where, where my wife's for, from that neck of the woods, uh, Western Carolina now. You've been a number of places. Talk about, A, what that was like playing at Charleston, going back in to coach at your alma mater for seven years, and then maybe pick a couple of those other places you've been, and how did God use those places those seasons in your life to really mature you and your faith, but also maybe for you to leave a little extra special deposit at a couple of those places. Well, I'll talk about two journeys and I'll start with Charleston. You know, I had a unique opportunity to have unbelievable experience in high school, uh, which we've discussed and then had the same similar type experience in college with a local popular coach that was a, Hall of High School Hall of Famer that gotten the job prior to me coming there. And his first year, he was 14 and 14. His second year was my first year. We were 22 and 8 and 30 and 5 and just had a tremendous following. And so the desire that God had placed in my heart was initially to come back to be the head coach at Springfield South High School. Wow. And Dwayne Baker called me at Youngstown State and said, you know, I, I got a chance to hire you. And if you don't want it, I'm going to take Bruce Razor. Mm. And I said, you know, coach, if you'd have got to me a year ago, i am really got a desire to stay at this college thing. And so getting the head basketball coaching job that you're on my mater college was phenomenal. And I got a chance to see the model that was created by my high school and college coach and duplicate that same type of success. So, you know, six 21 seasons, um, four NCAA tournaments. I coached the national player of the year who's from Springfield, a guy named Jamu Gaines, Gaines, and just had a tremendous run. And what was significant about that experience was 
guy, I would tell the guys all the time, you know, you're a top 25 team. And they go, yeah, yeah, we're top 25 in Division Two. And I go, no. I was like, you're top 25 with Christ. Like, mm. there's not 24 more teams that serve in Christ more than we are. Wow. And, and I remember telling my wife, I was so frustrated, like, why aren't more guys coming to know the Lord? And lo and behold, you know, since then, I've had players call me from that situation that got to know the Lord. And I, I figured out it's not always up to us. It's up to us to plant the seeds. It's not always up to us to create the roots and water and help it bloom. And, and so that was a significant experience to have, to get a chance to run my own program and be a reflection of Jim Scobie and Wayne Wiseman and Tex Williams, my college coach, but be able to start a ministry for myself. And my best friend in life was a college teammate of mine. He became my assistant. He's the state director of Fellowship Kitchen Athletes mm. for West Virginia. And so partnering with him, and, and we remain close. Matter of fact, I just got off the phone with him while you and I were starting. Oh, wow. Uh, Keith Tyler's his name. And we we're super close. And he helped me create this ministry there at, at, at Charleston. And then the other significant thing that happened at that stop was we were a young couple in our church there in Charleston. And our pastor asked to meet with us. And he said, you know, I'm getting ready to start a marriage ministry. And I go, wow, that's great. We'd love to be a part of it. You know, we'd love to come and be a part of it. He goes, no, 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 no. I want you to lead it. And I'm like, wow, we're, we're, we're arguably out of the 30 some odd couples. I guarantee you we were the youngest. And and for him to see that calling on our life. And then I remember getting in the car and my, my, my queen, Lynette, uh, says, I really believe God is calling us to this. And I'm like, man, what are you talking about? I'm a coach. And fast forward 25 years later, you know, we do one or two Zooms a week with couples. And then this summer we're going to start couples ministry for college basketball coaches through the organization called Nations of Coaches. So, you know, that made that city and that job a significant opportunity. And then I have to fast forward then to Cleveland State. I spent seven years there as well. And I got a chance to work for my professional and spiritual mentor, Gary Waters. And I had the opportunity to coach a young man that really organized what I call my five pillars. His name is Norris Cole. He's from mm, the Dayton area. Yeah. He had one scholarship offer. Cleveland State. He was a sold out believer and he didn't hardly play, played 10 minutes a game, never started his freshman year and went on to be a, the 28th pick in the NBA draft. And so to see how God could take this young man who had one scholarship offer, which has got to be a trivia question. What first round draft choice yeah. only had one scholarship offer? But but I got a chance and got introduced to what I call the prescription to the supernatural. Mm. And that is faith. He had unbelievable, unwavering faith. I don't care if we got back at three o'clock in the morning on Saturday. He was in church every Sunday for four years. He had unbelievable love for Christ, love for others. He was submissive so we could direct him. Norris, do this. He was submissive. He had unbelievable work ethic and he was incredibly disciplined. So those five pillars became the guiding force behind my own walk. And then I go to St. Bonaventure University. And I'm sure you know about my son was diagnosed with incurable brain disease, and and I prophesied that God was going to deliver him. And in three years, he was in multiple hospitals across the country, and he walked out. Now there's a book called The Battle for Brandon and a documentary narrated by A-list actress Jennifer Gardner wow. on that story about my fight to get my son you know, out of, uh, out of the hospital. And he's now 30 years old. But wow. those pillars that God showed me that Norris became a one-scholarship 
division one player to a first round draft choice based off those five players. And when my son got diagnosed with this problem, I instituted those pillars and created the supernatural as did Norris did by being a first round draft choice. And he ended up playing for Miami Heat, right? Yeah, he ended up playing four years in the NBA and he and he's still playing overseas. He's made he played two years with LeBron and won two championships. Actually, he played three and a half years, three years with LeBron and LeBron left. And then he played a fourth year and he got traded to New Orleans. And then uh, he got hurt and ended up getting out of the league, but but and then couldn't get back in. And and now he's been playing, you know, overseas. And I think he's in the G League now as well. I'm trying to remember what high school did he play at in Dayton? Dayton Dunbar. Dunbar. Okay. Yeah, I've heard good stuff about him. And his dad, supposedly a pretty godly man too. Like family. Oh, godly parents. I mean, there's a reason why yeah. God created him through his parents. I mean, phenomenal people. Yeah. So Jason, let me ask you this. Your cup is clearly overflowing and hitting a whole lot of people. I mean, I I've been in I've been in settings where four to hundred, eight hundred people in a room where they want to honor, recognize someone, and they'll say stuff like, okay, if you've been impacted by this person, please stand up. Okay, now if you've been impacted by one of these people standing up, please st-. And, you know, like two or three lines down a link, everybody in the room standing up. So that would be pretty mm-hmm. easily true with you in the right setting, everybody standing up, two or three links in. How do you, at this point in your life, Jason, how is your cup being filled? What are the ways that God is pouring his spirit, word of God, whatever it may be that you're downloading Jesus into your life, Jason? Wow, that's a great question. I think it's important for every Christian to understand this. Number one, I start every day with Jesus. Um, I wake up in the morning and I go right to my quiet time, devotionals. I I feel like I've got to get filled up prior to attacking the day. And the only thing that will interrupt that is maybe a wake-up kiss to my queen of uh, 33 years. So that that is the foundational rock of my walk is how I replenish myself when I wake up, go to the bathroom. And sometimes I don't even go to the bathroom but, and just have about a 45 minute quiet time with different things, whether it be a devotional scripture memorization. I listen to a 20 minute Tony Evans podcast every morning. So that's been my routine for quite a number of years to to give me that foundation And then I really believe it's important that we stay equally yoked. And so there's a group of friends, brothers, that I'm constantly in contact with and create environments in my professional life of who I decide to join or to lead that that are those of like faith. And that sort of framework, along with the local church and being poured into from a local church, allows me to step outside that bubble, so to speak, and serve others. And and that's been a formula that has worked extremely well for me. And I got to remain disciplined and humble to, to hold true to that. And uh, it is a, it allowed me to educate myself. And my motivation is, let me let me get closer to Christ. Let me get know more about him. But the more I know about him, the more impact I can serve others. And mm. that's sort of just my mentality. Yeah. It's clearly just a deep and robust faith that you clearly are fleshing out. So we have these fun, kind of lighthearted, quick-hitting questions called the Rapid Five. Let me ask you five quick-hitting, just whatever jumps out to you kind of thing, Jason. What is your favorite childhood snack or cereal? Uh, Little Debbie Cakes. Mm. Which one specifically? (laughs) 
the the white ones with the chocolate lines. Over. Oh yeah, what were those called? Yeah, I know exactly what you're. They had the yellow cake and a little little bit yes. of like white cream in them. Those are good. What's your yeah, favorite yeah. book you most like or want to gift to other people? Lead for God's sake. I got a chance to do a speaking engagement with the author Todd Gongler. Uh, it's a powerful, yeah, powerful, powerful book that really impacted and inspired me. He came and spoke at our gathering breakfast probably probably six years ago now. Todd's a really good guy, doing a lot of good stuff, but based out of uh, Northeast Indiana. Yes, we've done some speaking engagements together. He's he's an anointed man of God, and that book is really impactful. Yeah, I, I know numerous people who would go where you go on that one. So let's say you're taking your extended family out on vacation, and you're going to have to stop a little sooner than you thought, whether somebody needed the bathroom break or whatever. And we're going to assume you've covered most of the U.S. in your travels, so you know one of these places that people don't necessarily get around here in our parts of the country. But you see on this exit sign when you're going to have to stop, McDonald's, Chick-fil-A, or In-N-Out Burger. Where would you take people to? Chick-fil-A, my queen is a health coach, and that's a favorite spot of ours, and I love what they stand for uh, in terms of their ministry. Have you been to In-N-Out Burger, I'm going to assume, out west? Oh, yeah, in California, I have. Yeah. No even thought of them getting a, a sniff. It's Chick-fil-A all the way, huh? Again, my queen is a health coach. I don't <laughs> think she'd let me order anything if I go through it. She's self-employed, and what a beautiful blessing she's been. So she's doing like the grilled chicken nuggets or one of those good healthy yes. salads. Strawberry with grilled chicken salad. Yes, yes, yeah. that's that's her. That's good stuff. What is the movie that you you and your queen are hanging out on a Friday night or Saturday night? You get some rest, and, or or whether she's gone and you're doing your guy thing. What would be a movie if you stumbled across it on the tube and you say, "Gotta watch this every time, not missing it." What movie would that be? I don't know whether it's Revenge or Return of the Titans with Denzel Washington about the struggles of a racial tension community, and he led a football program to a state championship. It's actually a true story. So remember the Titans, that guy, what is his remember name? Remember the Titans. Remember the Titans. What is it? Boone, 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 Bo- Coach Boone. Uh, yeah, Boone. Uh, it's on the tip of my – Herman Boone, is that right? Herman Boone, Herman Boone. So yeah, I heard him speak that- before a Notre Dame football game. Uh, it was either Tennessee wow. or it was USC on their Friday night pep rally over at the uh, Notre Dame gym. Wow. Pretty He's cool. special. Yeah. That was a great movie. I, I, I've seen – I don't like watching movies multiple times, but – I've watched that multiple times, along with several of the early Rocky movies. Yeah. I'm not a big movie person. I love documentaries, but I'm not a big fan of sports movies. I feel like they take way too many liberties that never happen in in games. But I love Remember Mm. the Titans. That is a great, great movie. I will send you my documentary when we conclude here. That would uh, be great. Jason, this is a very important question. It's always interesting to hear people's answer to this. Who was your first celebrity crush? Janet Jackson. That's oh. not even close. Now, was that on? Uh, was that <laughs> uh, her, the singer, or was that Janet Jackson on Good Times? Singer for sure. <laughs> do you do you remember Janet Jackson being on Good Times? Oh yeah, that was one of my favorite shows. Yeah, I always argue that's one of the best theme songs on a TV show ever. Was the theme to Good Times? I couldn't. I couldn't debate that at all. Yeah, that's really cool stuff. Well, let's keep going. So, Jason, you, you've done a lot. I mean, you've done a lot. What is left for you to accomplish when you look at the rest of your life, where you want to leave your mark, what's still on your assignment? I love the word for us as followers of Jesus on your assignment. What is like a big thing out there that you still really would like to, 
I hate to say check off the check the box because that just sounds like one more task, but something you really want to sink your teeth into. Well, you know, I, I keep mentioning my queen. I think it's important that you understand that the second best blessing I've ever had, first is Jesus Christ, and second is Lynette G. Met her January 6, 1986 at 606. True story. Uh, we dated. She was a senior in high school. I was a sophomore in college. We dated four years, got married May 5th. She graduated from North Carolina A&T May 6th, and it'll be 33 years this May 5th. I really enjoy serving with her. And so God has really revealed to us after this coaching career is done of maybe 40 years, maybe 35 years. I don't know. I'm at 35 now that the next mission will be Mm. impacting marriages Mm. because I believe if you impact marriages, you impact kids. If you impact marriages and impact kids, you impact the future. You impact your culture, your community. And so that's sort of where, you know, we're leaning towards. I mean, she prophesies this, as I mentioned earlier, years ago, and uh, she's dynamic at she's a life coach, a health coach. And uh, she's just an unbelievable godly woman that sows into me daily and has been a staunch supporter and a big reason why I am who I am. So it's her desire to do that. And I love pleasing her. And Mm. that's my plan right now that I believe God has for me is is to serve with her and impact the marriages. That really resonates in my heart big time. Personally, thinking about my wife, thinking about the future. I'm curious, have you guys done any work with family life slash weekend remembers? You know, we, we've done, we, we make a commitment to go to a marriage retreat every year. We've done that for a number of years. And we've done weekend. Remember, we started that firstly at Charleston when I coached at Charleston. But the organization I'm in, Nations of Coaches, uh, flew my wife and I out to get training at Gary Smalley yeah. in, in, I want to say Colorado. Colorado. Um, what's it? What's the name of the ministry? Um, Dobson. Yeah, James Dobson. Uh, uh, focus on the family. James Dobson. Focus on the family. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that, and we've gotten training from that organization and uh, excited about continuing to be equipped to serve couples. I'm sure they would be all over having you guys. Do you know, uh, do you know with Athletes in Action, Kim and Corwin Anthony? Oh, yeah. Um, I'm very familiar with but I started to take a job with Athletes in Action. Eric Nelson, Yep, I got to know them really well. And, and some of my best friends are part of that ministry. And we, we brought our team to AIA for a summer retreat this past summer. And Coach Mo, had, yeah, had, Coach Mo. actually led us through some, of the, through some of the services. So very familiar with Athletes in Action. And I've done a lot of ministry events with them as well. Yeah, Corwin and Kim need to get you because they do some stuff for uh, family life and those weekend remembers. You guys would be great with stuff like that. So, hey, last question I want to ask you, Jason, and I appreciate your time. And I know we've had some some tech problems, but you've been great uh, walking through with us on this. Talk about your dad. I know, like for me, my dad's getting a little older. And I think for probably people on here, you think about our parents aren't going to last forever and they're not going to be here with us. And uh, the way we got connected was I ran into you at Huntington Bank and you were doing some, you know, taking care of some stuff with your dad. And then the next time I saw you, I think it was, you were in town either finishing up some stuff or maybe it was even for his funeral. So talk about what this season of life's been like, you know, grieving your dad, I'm sure, thinking back, reflecting, because that's a reality we're all going to face at some point. Yeah, you know, I, I had a great blessing to have a phenomenal relationship with him. He was a strict disciplinarian growing up. The only time you talked to him is when you said, sir, or yes, sir, and you modified your sir to say other things. Um, and, and he taught me discipline. He taught me work ethic. He modeled that. He modeled sacrifice. He, he, he just was such a phenomenal role model. And 
everyone in our community and our family always came to him for advice. And, and I often was so impressed with that. And then he he literally walked with me in my career, traveled with me on a mm. hundred recruiting trips over so the years cool. and obviously went to a number of games. And so the opportunity I had the last 10 years of his life as his health began to fade and that inevitability of you're going to leave here one day started creeping on him. I got the chance to really do life with him and serve him and take him to doctor's appointments. And he would often say, you know, the last five years I'm ready. And his wife was gone. His siblings were gone. His, his friends were gone. And he would often say, why am I still here, Jason? And I said to him, well, because you honored your father and mother. And that's a biblical promise. I mean, he worshiped the ground they walked on and he, he served them mightily as he modeled that for me. And I tried to do the same for him. And he wanted to die with three things. He wanted his kids to be okay, which we are. He wanted to live till 90, which he did. And he wanted to go in his sleep. Mm. And, and, and I got a chance to celebrate him before he, he left here. So what an incredible experience. And he's inspired me to leave a legacy with my children. And uh, I want to leave a spiritual legacy. He, if you stayed in our house Saturday night, whether you were friend or foe, cousin, niece, nephew, foster brother, sister, I had foster brothers he brought in, you were going to church on Sunday. I mean, yeah. that legacy is remains in me. And then a leadership legacy. He wanted us all to be leaders. And so I'm inspired. My All my kids know to Christ. All my kids have been captains and leaders of their team. And then thirdly, he wanted to leave a financial legacy. And mm. so those are that that has continued in me and inspires me to model him and pray that I can make half the impact on my children and those that I come in contact with, my players, uh, the way he has with me. Wow. Not much more you could say than that. That's a that's a great way to close up shop. So Jason, I appreciate we've talked about this for a little while and we were able to nail it down today and move past some technicalities that that shut things down for a little bit. But, uh, man, you are just a fruitful-bearing guy. It's neat to see a guy that I think has seen you as fruit to some other people, and you're tasting some of the fruit where you've allowed the Lord to invest in and through you. And, uh, man, there's only great stuff looking out the uh, front as you're driving the car of life with, with Jesus driving the way and you hanging out with him. So really appreciate the time. I look forward to much, much more that you got coming next. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much. And please, any way I can serve, just let me know. And really excited about what you're doing here and thankful that we'll be spreading the gospel just through this interview and pray that it'll touch somebody and impact their life, that they would impact others. Appreciate it. It's been great having you, Jason. Hopefully we'll get back on here again at some point. Take care, brother. Thanks, Thanks my friend. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.